And I'm going to invite the adults to turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And I will be there eventually, but I'm going to start in another place. Our point in this short series, we have a short series of messages on uh, what if you had one month to live? What if you had, that's all, what would you change? If we had just a couple of weeks now, because we've already been into this, this is our third Sunday, I'm convinced that we would live our lives differently. And then it makes sense to live like that gospel, that country song, not gospel song, that country song, living as if we were dying. And you know what, it's even more, I don't know, this is even more special to think about today because last Sunday one of my cousins passed away um, and uh, this week we had a hospital visit. We were praying for a lady um, to be healed, be able to come out of the hospital. She passed away and um, a good friend from uh, my previous church many, many years passed away. Uh, For those of you, uh, Dick Taylor, for those of you who know uh, Dick Taylor passed away, and I have a, another cousin, a year younger than me, who probably will be taken off the ventilator today. So all of this has been, it's been a pretty tough week, and, and it just drives home the point that none of us know how long we have, right? None of us know. We may think we have a long time. We may think we have years. Some of you may think you have decades, and we may not have very long at all. So let's live as if we were dying, because we really are. When Jesus knew And Jesus knows everything. Jesus knew that his days were coming to an end on this earth. Uh, He lived his life to the fullest while he was here. Two weeks ago, we learned about uh, loving passionately. And we're to love God with all of everything we have. We're to love our fellow mankind as we love ourselves. Uh, And and we talked about living passionately. Uh, I I have a saying, I haven't said it for a little while, but I love it. Don't die until you're dead. You know, there's a bunch of people walking around. They, I don't know if they're zombies or what, but they're just, you know, they're, they're, their zest for living is gone. Uh, don't die until you're dead. So live passionately, love completely, and then today I want to teach about learning humbly. The Apostle Paul had a problem, a lot of theories as to what that ailment was. Was it a sickness? Was it a disease? Was it some kind of malady? Was it some kind of an affliction? Was it some kind of a personality thing? Was it a family situation? Here was a man, the Apostle Paul, who healed people. Here was a man who was powerful with God and with God's people. Here was a man who went on three separate missionary journeys, establishing churches, strengthening churches, uh, seeing to it that uh, pastors and elders were formed and called. Uh, he was a world changer. I mean, the Apostle Paul was an absolute world changer. And yet, here he had some problem, and he didn't know how to handle it. So the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, I know you're in Luke 22, but hold on. I'll be, I'll be there eventually. But in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said to me, when Paul said, after I prayed to God, and I asked him to take this away from me three different times, he said to me, my grace is sufficient. And I looked at the word grace, and it's charis, uh, and, and that's what's something that particularly causes joy and pleasure and gratification and favor and acceptance and uh, and it's a kindness granted or a benefit or or something done for us that's unexpected 
and without an ability to return payment for it. So the, the gift of God, uh, my grace, the, the grace that God gives to us, is there's no way we can pay him back. There's, it was just totally unmerited, uh, and God shed his grace upon us. And, and here in this specific answer to specific prayer, Paul's saying, would you take this thorn in my flesh away? Three times he prayed it earnestly, and God says, no. My grace is sufficient. My unmerited favor is sufficient. It's strong enough. It's able to assist you. It's enough for you. For my strength, dunamis, which means inherent power, my strength is made perfect, and this is teleo, complete and mature, in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul says, you know what, if I've got to have this thorn in the flesh, if I've got to have this weakness, whatever it is, uh, whatever it is, whether it's physical or otherwise, if I've got to have it, I am thankful that the grace of God is sufficient. So as we face this coming week, as we look at maybe losing a loved one, as I may do today, um, his grace is sufficient. I think about uh, that husband and those incredible young men and that little girl who just lost their mother, and I'm, I'm thinking... You know what? By faith, his grace is sufficient for them. I'm thinking about some of you who are going through some real trials and some real pressures and real problems. His grace is sufficient for you. And even more so when we feel powerless. Sometimes we have to come to the end of ourselves, don't we? Before we trust him. Because we can go on our own strength for a long time, can't we? We can draw on our own reserves, we think, for a long time. Have you ever been so physically so ill uh, that you came to the end of yourself? Have you ever been mentally so down, discouraged, depressed? You didn't know which way to turn? Have you ever been spiritually absolutely wasted? You ever have a habit you can't control? You ever have a schedule that's out of control, a home or a home life that's messed up, a family that's messed up? Sometimes uh, there's a valid reason for us to feel absolutely powerless. I, I used to love to ride motorcycles. I've had several. And uh, <clears throat> those things were powerful. Some of them were really powerful. I had a, a 19, uh, that's, uh, that's a 96 bad boy. I mean, you know, a preacher driving a bad boy. You know what I mean? That's what it's called. It's called a bad boy, Springer. Uh, and I, I love that thing. I bought that thing three different times. I bought it, sold it. After about a year, wanted it back. Found the guy who bought it in another state. And he had sold someone else. I had to pay more than I sold it for like a year and a half. I sold it a second time, and the same thing happened. It wound up in New Mexico, and I had to pay more than what the guy paid me for it. I was registering it for the third time, and the lady in IB that does registration says, you bought this same motorcycle three times, paid taxes on it three times. Are you married? Does your wife know what you're doing? Amen. Don't tell her. That was my 80 cubic inch evolution. That thing is powerful. Well, uh, one time, when I first bought it, I got it in Arizona. I rode a Sportster over there and rode this one back. And coming up the grade, coming just right coming to the foothills, it ran out of gas. And I tried pushing that thing. It's 650 pounds dry weight, 650 pounds. I could not push it very far at all. I got another one. Uh, I had a, another one that, uh, that's my motorcycle babe right there. That's my, that's my motorcycle mama right there. And, and that's my limited. 
uh, the bike, not her. That's well, she's limited too. Yeah, but uh, unlimited she is. But anyhow, uh, that's the the Harley, and that's 103 cubic inch, six speed, and those things would do like 120. Uh, is Tom Day here? He's not here, is he? Tom Joy? Is Tom Joy here? No, good. He's not here. It would do 127 miles an hour. I happen to know that personal experience. Those things were powerful. But if this one weighed 850-some pounds dry weight. So you try pushing those things, and I'm telling you, just on level ground, it's crazy. And yet our life is a little bit like that. We, I could get on that and start it up and take off, or I could try to inch it along and push it just a little bit at a time. And our, and our spiritual life can be like that. We can either uh, have the Holy Spirit take control of our life and empower us and fill us and use us and run on the power of the Holy Spirit of God, or we can push ourselves through life on our own strength and with our own energy. <clears throat> uh, burnout, someone said, comes from doing what, we need to be done, what needs to be done in our own power. <clears throat> and I would a lot rather depend upon the power of God to get me through life than my own power, because my own power is very, very limited. God's power is available for your marriage. God's power is available uh, for your physical needs. God's power is available for your job. <clears throat> God's power is available for overcoming habits and addictions. We have several people in this room who God has delivered from addictions uh, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> that was introduction. So first point is this, learn from our losses. Now we're in Luke chapter 22. You're already there, I bet. In Luke chapter 22, verse 61, the Lord turned and looked. He, and this, uh, this word looked is not just like glanced at. It's not just like, you know, oh, I, I, saw, I saw Jimmy over there sitting. You know, it's not just looking like. It's he stared at him. He fixed his eyes. Jesus fixed his eyes upon Peter. Fixed his eyes. He stared. Can you imagine? If you've ever had someone stare at you, it can get kind of uncomfortable sometimes, can't it? And here's the Lord. I mean, going through what he's going through, about to be crucified, being beaten and, and rejected and all of that. And he turns to the apostle Peter who's sneaking around on the edges of the camp there and looking in at what's taking place and what's happening. And, and Jesus fixes his eyes on Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how that he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter went out and wept bitterly. It wasn't too long, just a matter of hours before this, that, that Jesus said, you know, I'm going to be forsaken. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be put to death. And, 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 all, and Peter said, no, sir, I, I want you to know, if that happens, I'll die with you. I will die with you. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows twice. Well, Peter wasn't the only one who said it. The other disciples said the same thing. But, but Peter was so certain. He was so sure. He was, have you ever been that sure of yourself about something and then all of a sudden it all fell apart? I got this. No problem. I can handle it. And all of a sudden, we can't handle it. Life is like a motorcycle ride down a road. Nice roads, rough roads, bumps in the road, detours, debris in the roads, even people who try to run you over. Life is kind of like that. There's a saying in the motorcycle world, there are two kinds of riders, those who have crashed and those who are going to crash. Yeah, those who have crashed and those who are going 
to crash. Spiritually, we will crash as well. I, I'm a, I hate to be a bearer of bad news, but spiritually, you're going to have some times in your life, if you haven't already, when you're going to crash. And we're going to fail. It's what we do because we're weak, because we're sinners. But we have God's power available, and failure doesn't mean the end of it. Failure doesn't mean that we need to quit. Failure doesn't have to win over you, and you can get up again. There are several ways you can crash, but two of them are called. One is a low side crash. One's a high side crash. A low side crash is when you kind of lay the bike down and you try to stay on top of it, sort of. <laughs> as you're sliding around across the freeway at, you know, whatever, how many, many miles an hour, and, and trying to dodge trucks and cars kind of like a pinball machine. That's, that's, that's the best way to crash if you're going to crash on a motorcycle. There's, a, there's the high side crash, which is when you hit something and you're flipped over on the high side and you're more vulnerable. Being flipped over like that can be catastrophic. It's violent because of the G-force as you're, as you're absolutely flung into the oncoming traffic. So Peter had a high side crash here. You're one of them, aren't you? You're one of those disciples. No, no. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you are. You're, you're one of those. You hung around with him, didn't you? No, I don't know what you're talking about. And a third time, you're a disciple. I know you are. Your speech gives you away. You're a disciple. And he said, blankety-blank, I'm not one of those blankety-blank disciples. I mean, he just cussed and cursed and, and said and denied that he was a believer. Peter had a high side crash. He really did it well. He, didn't, he not only didn't stand with the Lord, he absolutely denied that he knew him. And he did so three times. So his life as a Christian was over, right? I mean, it's finished. Surely there's no recovery from such a crash. Ever been there in your marriage? Things are so bad, so bad. There's no way. There's no way in the world God can repair the damage, you think? Ever been that way at work? You failed, is it, and it's over, or is it? One of the things we can do if we're really humble in Christ is we can learn from our failures. We can learn from our crashes. We take responsibility for our failure. We admit and confess our mess up. And why deny the obvious anyhow? The, the, the bike is a mess. You're cut up and bruised and, and maybe bleeding. You're lying in a twisted pile of metal, rubber, and leather. How stupid is it to, refu to refuse to admit that you were in an accident? I was, I was following my good buddy. One time we were up by San Luis Obispo, and I said, let's get off at San Luis Obispo. It's a pretty little town. I want to go see it. And he said, okay. And he was leading the way, and we were driving down the road at a good pace. And, and, and so I saw the sign, the road sign, and it had, you know how they have arrows, and, and it had the exit coming up, and it made like a fish hook. And I'm going like, wow, you know, okay, we got to. And he's doing like 75 miles an hour looking down. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And so he gets closer and closer, and then he sees the exit, and he goes off, and he didn't make it. He, he wound up going through all of the, 
the landscaping, the, the two or three foot high brushes and bushes. And his bike went up in the air. He went up in the air. Parks began to fly off. His bike stuff was going all over. Dust, big dust cloud. And, and he crashes to the ground. The bike crashes on him. And it's just a, it's a mess, man. I pull over. And I'm, I'm like, Ron, are you okay? Are you okay? He's like, Ugh. Navy SEAL. He was just fine. Uh, so he's laying there. I'm trying to get him to, I'm hoping he's breathing, you know. I don't want to give the guy mouth to mouth. Nothing personal. I just don't want to do it. And so he is breathing, but he's in a lot of pain. Pieces of motorcycle everywhere. So all of a sudden, the highway patrol pulls up. And they say, uh, is everything okay? He sees them. He gets up. He says, yeah, everything's fine. It's a miracle, man. God healed him. You, and they say, you okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. My bike's not in such good shape, but, but I'm fine. So we, they said, well, we can either do one of two things. We can just go on about our business and let you go if you can, you know, get your bike and go on. Or we can write a ticket and, you know, kind of be a little while. He said, no, no, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready. To, I'm fine. So we, we bungeed pieces of his bike back to his bike, straightened out the handlebars, got the fender out of the, uh, the wheel so we could actually, you know, drive it. And put him up on it, and uh, we got off the side of the road, and the highway patrol left. And then he went, Ugh. I said, Ron, we need to go to the doctor. No, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So we rode a little ways and uh, got a motel room, and he was going into the bathroom, and he passed out. I had, and so he's a big guy. So, you know, it's kind of like, okay, Ron, now when he came back too, now it's time to call for the paramedics, right? No, I'll be okay. I'll be all right. About 1.32 in the morning, he has to get up and go to the bathroom, passes out again. I'm thinking 6.30 or 7, he's not going to wake up. I'm going to be in here with a dead guy, and you know, what, you know, what in the world? And so he does wake up, and I say, Ron, I said, we really need to go to the doctor now. He said, no. He said, I, if I just had some elastic bandage. Uh, seals think elastic bandage and ibuprofen takes care of anything. <laughs> If there's any bones sticking out, you poke them back in, wrap the elastic bandage around it, take a couple uh, 800 milligram uh, ibuprofens, and you're good to go. So I went to the to the store, bought all of the elastic bandage they had, several boxes of elastic bandage, and we made a compress and wrapped it around his chest and in, and and set him on his bike. How many of you have ever seen El Cid, the movie El Cid? Do you remember the scene where he's dead? And they put him on his horse, and they put a board in the back to, so, he, so that they, the enemy thinks he's still alive. So his horse is trotting, and he's, he's dead. We rode 360 miles. with all I, The only thing we didn't have was a board sticking down his back. He's riding on his bike like this. I'm thinking he's dead. Get home, he passes out again. I mean, it's crazy. It's insane. There's no point in him denying what happened. And yet we go through crashes spiritually. We go through Times when we mess up so bad, and, and we, try to, we try to blame someone else. We, we don't want to admit our own fallacies. We don't want to admit that we are needy. We, we're too concerned with being self-sufficient, and I'm able, I'll get through it. No, there are times when, when you need God to get through whatever it is you're going through because you can't do it yourself, folks. If you didn't need God, he wouldn't have had to send his son to die on the cross for your sins. If you could get to heaven on your own, if you could be good enough, if you could be smart enough, if you could be talented enough, if you could be spiritual enough all by yourself, he wouldn't have had to send the comforter. He wouldn't have had to send his son to die on the cross. He wouldn't have to bail us out. 
We get into trouble. And there are times when only God can pick up the pieces. When only God can put things back together. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And by the way, we can let go of our guilt. It's important to get back right with God. Don't, Don't just confess things, make things right. Here's the apostle Peter. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Blankety blank, I don't know him. Had a friend who was a pilot. S2 pilot back back in 73 or 4 when they were trans is that about the time 73 or 74 transitioning to S3 and uh and I told you about this Fitz he he decided he was trying to qualify for the S3 and it was different type planes I don't know exactly Fitz can tell you the difference but anyhow he went up to I think it was 15,000 feet or so 10,000 15,000 feet and he did a loop and when he was doing a loop he got up to the top and this plane stalled and it fell like a, like a rock. It fell 5,000 feet before he could get it started back again. Scared him to death. And he said, you know what? There's only one thing to do, and that's to do it again. Make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah, so make sure I do this. It's like getting back on the saddle again, and you've been kicked, you know, bucked off a horse. So he climbed up again, got in that, got on the top of the loop, plane stalled, dropped like a rock for 5,000 feet again. Thank you very much. <clears throat> and I'm telling you what? He said, this time, I'm not going to do it again. I am not going to do it again. I'm getting, and you know what? He never did transition, never did make it to the S3 aircraft. And, and, and if we let guilt and fear went out, if we try to do in our own power what we need to do, what, needs, what we think needs to be done, we're not going to make it either. We're not go- it's not going to be a good thing. In, Ma- in Mark 16, 7, go tell his disciples. Listen to this. When, when Jesus came back, he, he said, go tell his disciples and Peter. Isn't that neat? Go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him as he said to you after the resurrection. Go tell the disciples. And by the way, make sure you tell the apostle Peter. I'm sure Peter thought his career was washed up. His days as an apostle were gone. But not so, because the Lord still loved him. The Lord still had a plan for his life, and he would learn from his losses. And if we're not too proud, we'll learn from our losses. Second point is this, surrender to God's strength. Rev up God's power in your life again. Jesus had said in Luke 9, verse 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, which means to disown and renounce self, subjugate all of our works and our interests and enjoyments to his, and take up the cross daily and follow me. And I think we have to be careful. I wear a cross. I know a lot of you wear crosses, and I'm not, I'm not dissing wearing crosses, but I'm saying this. To many of us, a cross has become a piece of jewelry instead of an instrument of torment and death and execution. And that's what it was, an instrument of death and torment and execution. Jesus would put, and if we take up the cross, it means to take up the burdens of life. It means to, to deny ourselves. It means to, to, to let God live through us in whatever purpose he has. That's why we need to strip me out of the whole situation, the whole equation. And, and when you come and you say, I, I can't forgive so-and-so, I'm, I'm saying to you, it, it, it's not about you. It's about the Lord. It's about Jesus who hung on the cross looking out into the faces of the people who nailed him to the cross and saying, I... 
Forgive them, Father. Forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. It's about looking to the ones who, who sold him into, uh, into this, this death spiral. The ones, the pilot who tried to wash his hands of, of, of the blood of Christ. It's about the soldiers who drove the nails into his hands and feet. It's about, uh, it's about those who called out for his crucifixion when he had done nothing wrong. And Jesus is up there loving them and letting God love them through him. Father, forgive them not about him he didn't make it about him it's about doing God's will his father's will and that's what we ought to do deny ourselves take up our cross follow him figure out not satisfy oneself deny oneself Peter denied Christ and crashed then he denied himself and became a champion so taking up your cross means to die to self I've got a picture um I've got an eight-and-a-half glossy picture of Alice Cooper at home that he sent me. And it says, uh, Pastor Jim, enjoy the car that I have. Enjoy the car. It was his car. I bought. Enjoy the car. And then he signed it, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth through me. And he is, he's a born-again Christian. Some of you didn't know that. He got saved a little bit later on. Yeah, a little bit later on. Still does his weird stuff, but he's, yeah, he's a Christian. So it means being crucified to self. It means dying to self. And by the way, a crucified person can't hold on to anything. You ever notice that? A crucified person can't hold on. A crucified person doesn't look back. A crucified person surrenders their will to that crucifixion. So it's denying oneself and trying to live not in, in our own power, but in his power every single day. And when I don't have what it takes to be a good pastor, he helps me. And when I don't have what it takes to be a good husband, he helps me. And when I don't have what it takes to be a good dad or granddad, he helps me. Let him grab the handlebars. Let him work the throttle. Let him determine the, the route. You see these bumper stickers, or at least you used to. I haven't seen them for a long time. God is my co-pilot. Forget that stuff. God's the pilot. So nail your goals, your desires, your plans, your lusts, your dreams to the cross and let Christ live his life through you to the best of your ability to do so. Last point is this. Pursue God's path. Everything we have belongs to him. Every material thing, every, everything belongs to him, even our time. Psalm 119, verse 32, I will pursue your commands, for you expand my understanding. So which path does God want you on? Pursue him, and he will give us the understanding we need to know what decisions to make and when to make them. Well, preacher, what if I surrender to God's will and it messes up my life? (laughs) You really think God's going to mess up your life? I, I get... Used to, there was this thing, church went through this phase where they had all kinds of uh, um, famous people come into the church and giving testimonies. I'm not, there's no problem with that. But some of them were like, uh, I mean, I've heard testimonies. Have you ever heard it like this? I could have been a wealthy man. I could have been famous. I could have been this. I could have been that. I got to thinking about me. I gave up a lot to serve Christ. I was making a whole dollar twenty-five an hour. 
I gave it all up. I had lots of insecurities. I had no real direction in my life. I gave all that up. <laughs> I got a good deal. <laughs> I got a great deal. And you know what? I don't care if you're J. Paul Getty. Most of you don't know who that is. I don't care if you're Steve Jobs. He's dead. I don't care if you're Bill Gates. Okay, you all know who Bill Gates is or the Zuckerberg or whatever the guy's name is. I don't care if, if you have all of that. You don't have Christ. You don't have anything. You don't have anything. There's nothing you can give up that would make following God a bad deal. So trust God in your marriage. Trust God in your job and for your job and for whatever job you're going to have or have not. Trust God for unanswered prayers and answered prayers. Trust God for open doors and closed doors. Trust God. Some of the things that come into our lives that we think, you know, that we're unplanned and they're unscheduled and that's a mess and that can't be God's will. They most certainly are God's will, many of them. So how'd Peter do? Well, this loser, this Christ denier, this spiritual washout, this good-for-nothing disciple, this coward who denied Christ three times, this cursing, backslidden, faithless, Baptist, ex-disciple, <laughs> preached on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people got saved. What? I thought he was done for. No, he got things right with the Lord. He repented. He got back right with the Lord. He got back in the saddle. He transitioned to the S3. He quit trying to push the bike in his own power and got on it, drove down the highway, opened up the throttle, and he was yee-hawing at the top of his lungs. 3,000 people God said, you know what, I'm so glad God doesn't give up on us when we give up on ourselves and when other people give up on us. There's not a person in this room that God cannot use and will not use if we'll come to him and deny ourselves. Say, Lord, here I am. Do whatever your will is. I, I, I have a tendency to mess things up. Do whatever it is you want to do through me. And God did. Now, riding a Harley can be most exciting, exhilarating, frightening, scary, fulfilling, dangerous, rewarding thing in the entire world. It can be an adrenaline rush. I mean, what can be more fun than going down a highway at about 80 miles an hour with five gallons of gasoline between your legs? I mean, really, when you stop and think about it, it's just an amazing thing. But serving God is much better, much, much better, infinitely better. So let me just close with this. First of all, the call. We all have a call to greatness as far as God counts greatness. God has a call in your life. Have you, have you found that call? You say, are we all supposed to be preachers or missionaries? No. Well, we are all missionaries. We all have a mission. We all have a purpose. We all have a job to do for God. We may work for the United States Navy or the U.S. Post Office or the city of Coronado or or Bob Baker's Chevrolet. We may work for some corporate, but 
But God has a plan for us in his plan. He has a call, and we have a call to greatness in serving him. But there's always a wall. There's always something that tries to stop us. The fact of the matter is you may run into a bunch of walls in one day, any given day. A bunch of things that about the time you decide, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, gonna th- I'm all in for God. I'm going to do whatever it is that he wants me to do. All of a sudden, there's a wall there, huh? And something or someone will try to stop you. And then there's the fall. I, I wish I could say you're never going to mess up. You're never going to have a bad day. You're never going to fail. But that's what comes after the wall. So we will fall. The, the, the question is, are we going to fall on our face or fall to our knees before the Lord? I want to fall on my knees. I will trust him with everything or else I don't really trust him at all. Let me close with Proverbs 24, 16. A just man falls seven times. That's not the end of the verse. And he rises up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. I said I was going to close with that one more verse. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. Those nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. And the strength of the United States of America better not be our nuclear arsenal. The strength of the United States of America better be in our God. Our omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God. Don't trust anything, anyone else the way you trust him. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, I pray, God, that we would realize that we're going to fail, we're going to fall. But the thing to do is to ask the Holy Spirit to pick us up, to dust us off, to fill us with your Holy Spirit, to empower us, to lead us, to do what you want us to do by denying ourselves, by taking up our cross, and by following him. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to live the self-crucified life. I pray, God, that right now you would give hope to some people who are a little hopeless about a situation or two in their lives. I pray, God, that you would show them there's nothing too hard for you and that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And I pray, Lord, that we would trust you completely for whatever it is that we need today. If there's someone here who's not certain that heaven is their home, then I pray that today they would put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. If someone's looking for a church home, and this is where you want them to be, I pray that you would lead them to come and become a part of First Baptist Church. If someone's looking for a way back, a way back to your mercy and your forgiveness and to be restored to a place of fulfillment again, I pray today would be that day. God, give us the grace that we need that is sufficient for whatever problems we face. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name.